Evidence and answers. People everywhere are concerned about the environment, for we face some formidable challenges regarding the environment. The importance of this issue is seen in the numerous blockbuster movies addressing the issue of environmentalism. Well, who is addressing the issues of the environment? The strongest voices come from the pantheists, those who worship Mother Earth. Unfortunately, the Christian voice on this issue is silent. Can Christians be good environmentalists? You are listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat today as he presents a case for Christian environmentalism. This entire message, along with other studies with Pat and other top Christian scholars, are available at evidenceandanswers.org. I'm sure you're going to find this show challenging and informative. So let's join Pat now as he presents a message given this past November at the Grace Christian Education Conference in the Philippine city of Manila. Well, good afternoon, and thank you for inviting me here to serve at your wonderful conference here in your country. It's a privilege always to serve here at Grace Christian College and to speak to some of the top educators of this wonderful country. Well, what I want to speak to you about is one of the most neglected topics. You hear very few seminars, very few sermons on this topic, but the Bible has a lot to say about environmentalism, and the Bible provides the best answer to the environmental issues that we face today. But you hear very few sermons and messages on this topic. But the Bible has a powerful environmental message that is relevant for us today. Well, people everywhere are concerned about the environment, for we face some formidable challenges regarding the environment. First, there is the issue of land conservation and habitat destruction. The growing population creates a need for more housing and urban development, which destroys forests and habitat of many animal species. And as a result, the size of rainforests is decreasing throughout the world. Second, there is the threat of species extinction. Harvard biologist Edward Wilson estimates four to five thousand species become extinct every year. And this extinction is caused by the destruction of habitat, overharvesting, and the introduction of new species into an environment. Third is the issue of land degradation. Principles of crop rotation have been abandoned. This was taught as early as Leviticus chapter 5, Leviticus chapter 25, which called for a Sabbath rest for the land every seven years. Intensive forms of farming have altered the land, destroying natural fauna and creating an ecological desert. Ancient civilizations arose and suddenly disappeared, for example, the Mayans in South America. And many suspect that these great civilizations suddenly disappeared because of over-harvesting. They did not give the land the Sabbath rest that it needed to have. Fourth, there is the issue of resource conservation, waste, and hazard production. Scientific experiments and industrial process have created nearly 70,000 different kinds of chemicals. The biological impact of these chemicals on the flora and fauna of this planet can be devastating. 
Chemicals such as pesticides and herbicides may have unintended effects on the environment. Fifth, there is the threat of global toxification. Chemical substances are transported often thousands of miles from their origin. In recent years, scientists have discovered pesticides in the fat of Antarctic animals. Airborne pollutants also drift into and damage the atmosphere. Six, there is the alteration of planetary exchange. Production of greenhouse gases, many scientists feel, alter our planet's temperature. Some scientists believe that CFC chemicals are destroying our ozone. And finally, we have the threat of human and cultural degradation. Many tropical cultures are forced off their land due to deforestation, mining, or political force. As they disappear, rich cultures are lost and vital information such as knowledge of tropical plants and medicinal cures. Environmentalism is of tremendous importance to people today. Top-selling movies address the theme of environmentalism. And most of these movies teach the solution comes in the pantheistic worldview. Well, who is addressing the issues of the environment? The strongest voice comes from the pantheists, those who worship Mother Earth. For example, the recent best-selling movie of all time, Avatar, presents a powerful environmental message. Now, in this movie, the Navi, these human-like beings with blue skin, live in a pristine paradise. And we discover they do so because they lived at one with nature. They worshipped Ewa, the spirit of the planet. And if you remember in the story, Ewa is not a personal being. Ewa is a it. You can't communicate or have a personal relationship with Ewa, but simply you become in tune and become one with Ewa, the spirit of the planet. Unfortunately, the Christian voice is nowhere to be heard. The Bible has much to say on the environment, and Christian environmentalism presents the best answers. For this reason, Christians must understand the role of the believer in Christ and their relationship and responsibility to the environment. So today I want to present a case for Christian environmentalism. First, I want to address the heart of the problem. The root of the environmental problem is spiritual and moral. At its heart is human sinfulness which manifests itself in two primary ways greed and haste. Francis Schaeffer, in his wonderful book, used the example of strip mining. If the strip miners would take bulldozers and push back the topsoil after they are done mining the land for minerals, when done, if they would push back the topsoil, a forest would regrow in that area in just a few years. However, when they're done, they do not push back the topsoil because of the extra cost. So instead of a new forest in a few years, there is a barren wasteland for centuries. Another great example is found here in your own country. Illegal foresting is another example. 
Men bribe officials and chop down trees and do not plant new saplings to replace the trees they cut down. And as a result, vast forests are destroyed. And what is left is just a barren wasteland upon the mountainside. Treating the land properly costs more and takes more time. And we must ask ourselves, are we living for immediate profit or being wise stewards of God's resources and caretakers of the environment which he has placed us in? Francis Schaeffer stated that the Christian community must refuse men the right to ravish the land just as we refuse them the right to ravish our women. Now, a faulty Christian view may be just as damaging as having the wrong worldview. For many years, Christians taught that the spiritual is important and not the material. This unfortunate dichotomy has led to a failure of Christians to properly care for nature and an improper exploitation and neglect of it. Many feel that since Revelation teaches the earth will one day be destroyed and replaced with a new heaven and new earth, they did not value the environment as they should. For decades, the Christian worldview is blamed for the culture's low view of the environment. Now, the Bible has much to say about the environment. Christian environmentalism begins with the biblical understanding of man and God's world. Now first, we must understand that we are connected with the environment as part of God's creation. Genesis teaches that God created the world as a suitable place for us to inhabit. Our survival then is connected with the welfare of the environment. If we destroy the environment, we endanger our survival as well. For example, in a beautiful, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen in East Asia, I enjoyed teaching there for several weeks and enjoyed the beauty of its mountains and its terrain and its lakes and its wonderful climate. However, each day on my way to class, I would look with horror as I looked over and there as we were crossing the bridge was a river flowing into the lake with raw untreated sewage just spewing into the city's lake. Now this lake is what provides the city with its water. And I asked why isn't this sewage treated before it goes into the lake? And the people replied, well the government doesn't value waste purification because it's not profitable. Therefore, raw sewage goes into the lake that supplies the city's water. And we're connected to the creation around us as part of God's creation. However, we are also distinct from that creation and have a very unique role. Human beings are the only creatures created in the image of God and are given a unique responsibility. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, it states, And God blessed them, that's man and woman, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now man was given authority to rule over creation. The Hebrew word for subdue there is kabas and it means to tread down or bring into bondage. 
and it describes a conqueror and implies man is to have control over nature. And the Hebrew word for rule is rada, and means to prevail over, which also describes the idea of being victorious. So man is not to worship the creation, but he is the ruler over creation. Now in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now the man was assigned to care for the environment by taking care of the garden. And the Hebrew word for care is the Hebrew word samara, meaning to keep or to preserve. So having dominion does not give us the license to exploit, but a responsibility to care for the environment. So mankind is given the responsibility as stewards or caretakers over God's creation. That is the role that God has given us, to rule over creation, but not to exploit it, but to care for it. Third, we're to value creation because we should value what God has made and what God values. God's care for the land is revealed in several passages in the Old Testament. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, God states, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Job 41, the Lord states, everything under heaven belongs to me. We should value the environment and the land and the creation around us because God has created it and God values it and God owns it all. We're simply stewards over what God has created and the creation is something that he values very much. Therefore, we're to be wise stewards and caretakers over it. You know, when I was in Los Angeles, a good friend of mine, while I was there for two weeks, allowed me to borrow his car. And it was a top-of-the-line Lexus, and one of the uh, really expensive ones. And believe me, I took care of that thing. I didn't drive recklessly. I put the best gasoline into it and I made sure when I returned it, it was cleaner than when I got it because it wasn't mine and it was something that he valued and therefore I treated it with a lot of care. And that's the same thing when it comes to the environment. It's something God has created. It's something he owns and we are stewards over it. Therefore, we're to care and value what God cares and values for. Now, God's value for creation is demonstrated in His covenant with the world. Before the flood in Genesis chapter 6, Noah was commanded to preserve the earth's creatures in the ark and protect them from the flood. And then in chapter 9 verse 16, after the flood, God made a covenant not just with Noah and his family, but with all living creatures. It states there in verse 16 of chapter 9, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. You see, this covenant was made not just with mankind, but with all living creatures as well. There are numerous other passages that reveal God's care for the land. And Israel, as they came into the promised land, was commanded to care for the land and several commands are given. Leviticus chapter 25, God commands the Israelites 
to give the land its Sabbath rest every seven years. Deuteronomy chapter 20 verses 19 through 20 talks about the conservation of trees. Deuteronomy chapter 23 talks about the proper handling of waste. Deuteronomy chapter 22 talks about the proper treatment of animals and the wildlife. One of the examples given is if you find a mother bird in the nest, whether it's up in the tree or on the ground, you may take the eggs, but you shall not kill the mother. Deuteronomy chapter 25 talks about the proper treatment of animals. And in Isaiah chapter 5, God would judge the people of Israel if they misused the land. So God's care for the environment is revealed in many passages in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. Matthew chapter 6 verse 28 through 30 reveals God's care for the lilies and the birds of the air. It states, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And later it goes on to say, And why you show anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more care for you? So God's care for creation is seen in how he cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. God is the one also who upholds and sustains and continually cares for creation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 states, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 states, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Things in nature have value because they are created and sustained by God. God's care for the environment is seen in His redemption plan, which includes not only man, but His creation, the world. In the Old Testament, the restoration of the nation involved the restoration of their land. That famous passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 states, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. In the New Testament, God's redemption plan involves mankind, but also the created world. God will redeem mankind and give us eternal bodies, 1 Corinthians 15. But His redemption plan also includes His creation, the earth. He'll not only restore us, but He will also restore the earth. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 to 22 states, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
You see, sin has brought a change not only to mankind, but to the cosmos as well. And it has been subject to vanity or frustration, meaning it's not able to accomplish its ultimate purpose, but it is personified as longing and awaiting for its day of renewal and redemption. And Revelation 20 states that in the end, God's redemption plan for mankind includes the earth as well. He'll renew it and transform it to a new heaven and a new earth. God cares for His creation, which we are a part of. And we need to care for the environment, for God created it as a suitable place for us to live. We're connected to the land, for our survival depends on the wise and resourceful use of the land. And God has placed us as stewards over the land with the responsibility to care and not to exploit the land. God cares for His creation, and therefore, we should care and value what He has created and values. And finally, God's redemption plan for the ages includes the land, and therefore we should be a part in the healing of the land. Well, those are some principles we discover, some of the biblical teachings on the environment. Well, what are some life lessons that we can apply from what we have learned today? Well, here are just a few. First, Christians must be involved in the healing process from the fall. In all aspects, Christians must be involved in the restoring of man's relationship with God, with his fellow man, and finally, with nature. Since God will restore creation, we should move in the direction of God's future restoration. Francis Bacon stated in Novum Organum. He states this, Man by the fall fell at the same time from his state of innocence and from his dominion over nature. Both of these losses, however, even in this life, can in some part be repaired, the former by religion and faith, the latter by arts and sciences. Second, Christians must study the Bible and learn what it teaches about stewardship of our resources. Pastors, parents, teachers, you know, a great exercise is to take students on a hike and teach them the value of the environment and show them the beauty and wonder of God's creation and His design of it and instill within them a love for God's creation. You know, Christians can love the environment. Christians ought to be the best environmentalists because the Bible gives the best and true message on environmentalism. Third, churches, Christian schools and parents need to teach biblical principles of Christian environmentalism. We'll miss a great evangelistic opportunity for many in our generation have a heightened sensitivity to nature but they see Christians as uncaring and thus without providing a strong environmental biblical message these young people then turn to pantheism because it is the pantheists who are presenting the strongest message of environmentalism and showing the greatest care for the environment. Fourth, 
Christians, churches, and schools should model the practice of sound ecological principles. Christians should participate in efforts such as recycling. I encourage Christians to join the Sierra Club and other environmental groups and present a Christian biblical worldview perspective of the environment. And churches and youth groups ought to be involved in cleanup projects that occur around our city or volunteer for one. That'd be a great witness to the community. You know, door to door may not be so effective in some communities, but if they see the church and the Christians out there caring and cleaning up for their environment of their community, that's a tremendously positive witness as well. And finally, we ought to be involved with the government to promote wise and safe use of resources and protection of the environment. Well, those are some simple life applications for us. I'm sure you can come up with many more. Well, the environmental challenges before us are great, but the Bible presents the best answers to the issues of the environment. So let's, as God's people, become the leading voice in the cause of the environment. Can Christians love the environment and be environmentalists? Absolutely. We need to be wise stewards of God's creation, which He sustains, which He created, and which He values. And that will be a powerful witness to the world around us. Thank you very much. God bless you. I hope you were challenged and inspired by Pat's message. If you miss any part of this study, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire message and enjoy other great resources right there on the site. Pat is the director of the Pacific Apologetics Center, a subsidiary ministry of the Bible Institute of Hawaii. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, Please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers Radio Show is a ministry of the Pacific Apologetics Center. Join us each week as Pat and his guests provide reasons for faith and hope right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, oh, oh.